Hey everybody, welcome back to the Serrano Brothers podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I'm uh, Jeremy Serrano. Joshua Serrano. And uh, we are twin brothers. We're pastors in the Bay Area, and uh, we like to talk to each other. And so that's why we're here today. Um, we have Joshi, our Synod Assembly, coming up in September. Yep, and three months. So, for those that don't know, a Synod Assembly is our denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Uh, we are broken uh, up in conferences, which is the smallest kind of, well, it's, a, it's individual churches. Churches make up a conference. Conferences make up a synod. Synod makes up a region. And then all of the regions together are the ELCA. And our synods uh, are getting together. They get together every year to um, do the business of the synod-wide church. And um, this year we are electing a bishop. Yep. They do like to say that it's a, what do they say, like one church, three expressions? Is that kind of like the local, the, isn't, have you heard that before? I've heard it, but it, it, it's, I feel like it's one of those tagline things that I just never, I never remember what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it didn't catch on because uh, you and I don't know what it is, right? <laughs> well, no, I think you you had the, it right. It's like individual churches, synods, and then, uh, Churchwide, basically. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, I don't, that's not. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes I feel Maybe like I'm just so focused on my parish that I have a hard time, you know, kind of looking up to the wider church and what they're doing. I think that's the case for a lot of pastors, and and I think that's a growing edge for us. Right. Uh, because, you know, our wider denomination, they do, they make policies and stuff that affect individual churches. And, and, you know, we are a witness to the world. And so it's important, the things that we put out there, right? Not just on the individual level, but as a denominational level too, which is why bishop selections are important, right? How are you feeling it's, about this bishop selection? Um. I feel like I'm ready for there to be a new bishop. Um uh, that what one that's, you know, uh in place. Uh I I had originally thought that, oh man, we need some time before we get a new bishop um to kind of process everything that had happened before. Uh but then I took a sabbatical. Uh, <laughs> right. which was which was amazing. And uh coming back, um uh, I mean, there's still a lot of uh, complexity to the entire situation that happened before, and a lot, and it's unresolved. Um, but I feel like we have to, we got to get a new bishop in. Um, well, so, what can we say about the situation before? So, we elected a bishop, right? Right. There seems to be some impropriety that happened um is that is that the right word we want to use something happened 
something happened something happened i i I don't know you know i don't know that uh i don't know that we can say impropriety like because because that's like but but something happened and they are no longer bishop um some people thinks that it's tied to the fact that uh the former bishop had removed a pastor um in a way that was um improper improper right i mean racist yeah i mean uh and so some people feel that was tied to that um but we don't have all the information um and and the fact of the matter is is no one has all the information right it feels like this is a big like there are many layers to this onion Mm -hmm. uh complexity of of trauma and uh maybe not the best decision making um it just feels like there's a there's a lot to it and and i actually get very skeptical of the people who feel like they have all the information um right you know uh and and want to act as if they know the entire truth of it all because i'm i'm pretty sure they they don't (laughs) Um, uh, let's stay on this topic for just one moment and and for me when all of the kind of gossip and rumors and online conversations would happen it was wild to me that there were people across the country who were making such sure statements and writing articles and like doing this stuff and they were so far removed from it but yet they no. had the loudest voice in what was actually happening in our local synod, while us as the pastors of the synod were weren't there with them. At least, at least most of us weren't there with those people right. who were loud. Right. Um, uh, a lot of assumptions. A lot of I think tribalism is a is a thing. You know. For sure. uh, I think people rally around their own. You know. And so if you, if, you know, I think that's a, a big case that, that happens in churches as well. You know, people want, people are like, pick a side. And so, um, and it, and honestly, it feels so, um, it feels tribal to me. And did you have anybody ever approach you and, and like, Hey, you got to stick with the Hispanics on this? No, no, but I do recall, uh, like, I do recall somebody telling you like, oh, a real Latino would know blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And, or um, somebody who- La Malinche or something like that. Right. Somebody kind of was like, kind of equated you with La Malinche. And for those of you who don't know, La Malinche is a a native native woman in uh, Mexico who is considered a, uh like a benedict arnold somebody who betrayed their people um uh to the to the powers that be um and so they kind of equated you with that mm-hmm. um and and it, it, it was ugly it was ugly uh it, it was and, really the worst of church like i think yeah i agree i i it still makes me sad because how do we come back from that Right. right um how do we 
um, be church together after that and, mm-hmm. and, and heal and move forward for the sake of the gospel, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and maybe there's not a coming back for some people, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, I believe, I believe in the church. I believe in the power and the mission of God. And I think that there has to be grace and forgiveness and moving forward. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I'm with uh, without, you. without taking anything away from the trauma that happened on various levels for pastors, for congregations, for the bishop's office. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of layers to this um, that I don't, I don't even feel like I, I can talk about, you know, like, because I'd probably be getting some of it wrong. Right. Know, and, 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 and I don't want to mention any specific details just because right. it, it, I wasn't a part of the situation. I just kind of watched an explosion and camps form and yeah. Yeah. And, and I really felt like when that happened that we like, we were just posing the question, like, are you sure you got all the information, you know, right. like that, or, or that's not what, you know, we have heard directly from some people, you know, um, and, and we were maligned for it. Uh, and so, uh, anyways, let's, let's move on to, to, so, so let's talk. move to the, the Bishop's election. Okay. So sure, we got sure. a Bishop's election coming up. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the culture around bishops' elections, because there is a culture around a bishop's election, right? Um, there are people who campaign, but don't really campaign. Have you had that happen to you? Um, I, I've had, um, I've had people who I feel I thought I knew were running for Bishop who are extra nice, like to me. Uh, uh-huh. And, and usually, you know, they probably wouldn't talk to me all that much, you know? Um, and so that makes me question people's motives, you know? And, right. and maybe that's the cynical part of me, you know? I don't uh, think it is because I, I feel like, you know, six months, seven months running up to any Bishop's election, I start to hear from people that are on the ballot that I may not necessarily talk to regularly uh-huh. and and they are very friendly and cordial and uh and and this has happened with a hundred percent of the people on the candidates. I will bring up the bishop's election and there's this weird cultural thing and i don't know if it's just our synod or what it is but clergy seem to be distrustful of anybody who wants the bishop's office Hmm. have you noticed that well yeah i mean it, it um Yes, I have noticed that. But uh, here's the weird thing. In order to be bishop, 
we need people who want to be bishop. Right. Right. right? It doesn't <laughs> just, you know, it doesn't just fall in people's laps, right? right? Like, like in order to do that job, you have to want to be bishop. Right. And and I think that there's this weird I, I want to say false humility that comes with people who are running and and who are saying, well, I'll take the job um, if I'm voted in. And, and they kind of, you know, I, I would like to see at, at least one person go, here are the gifts that I have. I feel called to this ministry. If you all confirm it, then God, God willing, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of this, well... I don't really want the job, but I'll do it if I'm called. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get the false humility part. Uh, uh, I have noticed that. I have noticed that, you know, anybody who wants it, people are distrustful or, or people who want it too much or who yeah. they think want it too much. Who knows really what people want, right? Right. Um, but if they see if but if they seem too eager for it, people might distrust that. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I wonder like getting back to the first thing we were talking about people campaigning, I wonder if the people who really do want it, like who really want to be Bishop, um, and they're kind of extra nice a few months before the Bishop's election. I wonder why those folks, um, don't start six years before that. And start developing relationships with clergy six years before the okay, bishops' elections are for six years, right? Like really developing relationships with clergy, you know, and and um and and, and not in a in a scheming way, but in a way that says, I want to be a bishop, so I have to know the clergy in my area, you know, in my synod, and I and in order for a a, a good uh, in order, in order for it to be a good synod relationship, I got to get to know the pastors. I got to get to know the pastors in my area. You know, you, you know what um, I would like in that too is is seminarians who need to really kind of take on the identity before they're called. Do you think that's a fair? Do you think that that's kind of a comparison, like somebody who's like does the relational work, who's constantly trying to connect this and becoming a leader among leaders. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's the way to campaign. Yeah. To, 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 to do the work before doing the, before being called. Right. And, and I don't right. mean in a, in a subversive way to those who are already in leadership, but just, just, connecting in that way in order to step into the role of bishop smoothly Mm -hmm. well i i think it's a like maybe leadership right Mm -hmm. like to be a leader so maybe that means being a dean right maybe that means uh taking on roles because there's always work for pastors to do in the synod there's um, what do we call them? Discipling or uh, yeah, discipling teams, right? That we that we supposedly have, you know. Um, I say supposedly because I I think there's only a couple that are like really going right now, functioning, um, right? Functioning, right? Um, 
So, so really taking on that, that kind of step forward, you know, so that people do see you as leader. Right. Uh, But I've been thinking about this a lot since, since all the drama that, that happened uh, at our last uh, Senate assembly and kind of coming back from that going, okay, how much do we actually know? How much do pastors actually know other pastors in their own conferences? You know, how much are we in each other's lives a little bit? And, uh, and I know that I'm, I'm guilty of this. I know a, a couple of pastors in my a local area and I uh, meet with them, you know, a little bit, but not very much, uh, but to develop relationships with those pastors so that when things go down, we are already in relationship with each other and we're, we're not siloed off from one another. Um, Cause I think siloing is a big thing that happens in, in churches, you know, indeed, um, there, there seems to be in our denomination uh, almost a competitive thing, where like our local churches, instead of partners in ministry, their their competition for the Lutherans in the area, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of there's millions of people around us who don't know Jesus. And we mm. are trying to bring them into the kingdom of God. It's, oh, well, they, you know, th- there's new Lutherans. And so they go to the local other churches. So that's who we're trying to, that's who we're in competition with. Mm. I, I think there's yeah, a bit I, of that. And, and that's the siloing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I could, I could see that. I mean, uh, churches have a history, right? If, if, a group of people are mad at one church. They don't like what's going on. They'll move to the church right down the road. And I've been, yeah. to, you know, this is my second call and both congregations have had that happen, right. you know? Uh, and so, um, so I, I could see how people feel like, I could see how pastors would say, Oh, this is feel that co- kind of competition edge, you know, to it all. Yeah. Um. So, we we've talked about relationships, right? Like the next bishop that we want should we feel like should be like know the pastors in the area, mm-hmm. right? In the Senate, like have be in relationship with them. I think that's a a key struggle, right? Uh, or a key thing. Uh, we've also talked about the sense that somebody really wants it, you know, not to be shy about them wanting it. Uh, mm-hmm but to really put forward their gifts. Uh, that's one of the things that I find kind of interesting about like the way we elect a bishop is like um, when bishops get up there and they say, this is why you should elect me. They'll tell like a personal heartfelt story and then try to connect that story with why they want to be bishop. Right. And, and so they'll talk about their, grandmother or their wife or their something and they'll Dad, it'll be this one story that like will connect with people uh like politicians do in order to try to connect with people you know and uh i guess i'm just a little more pragmatic you know like it's great to connect with people like which i want bishops to do but also i want i want to know what they what what do they really got that we that could be of service to the synod in the church, you know, because because the bishop role is not just 
ceremonial, right? They're not just uh, going to worship services or traveling or they're, they're like doing real administrative work on behalf of the synod. And yeah. there's real work to be done. Right. And uh, it's not just ceremonial. Uh, I, I want to hear from the podium at Synod Assembly from the candidates, number one, that they actually believe this stuff, that they actually believe in Jesus, that they believe in prayer, that they have a solid theology. I want, mm-hmm. I want to hear that um, because that's not a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then second, what I want to hear for them is what they believe their spiritual gifts are in order to be bishop. Right. Like, like if somebody got up there and said, I'm not very good at administration, but I am good at connecting people. I'm good at doing all, you know, and gives their gifts and, and then would say something like, because I'm not good at administrating, I'm going to build a synod council and a synod office who are excellent at that to buttress my gifts. Yeah. That would just blow my mind. Right. Right. Because it's not just about the bishop, right? It's about their staff. It's about the way they're able to to, to delegate things. Right. Right. Um, it seems to me that the next bishop we have, I would like to see is a good delegator, you know, who's able to get stuff done, but can delegate and build up systems um, that uh, can last, um, that can last over the years, right? Yeah, and, and and with that systems, I would I would say build a cohesive vision for the ELCA in our in our in our synod. Mm-hmm. I think of what the Episcopal Church did with Michael Curry and his love campaign on a nationwide nationwide level. And I thought, man, if every bishop did something like this for mm-hmm. their synod, where, where we talked about, okay, we are going to be, you know, the synod that talks about grace, the synod that talks about love, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be so beneficial for the, the church as a whole in this area. Right. So I have up here on my screen um, what people put in a survey for the top ten greatest needs in the synod. Let's see if let's see what we think about these. Number one, options for struggling congregations. That's the number one. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that one? I think I think as I think. I think as a mainline denomination, our churches are going to get smaller. Mm-hmm. I don't think magically every Lutheran congregation is suddenly going to take on a missional narrative in their church. Um, and because of that, um, you know, evangelism is not ingrained in in the ELCA. It's just, it's not. Um and so because of that, what's the next move for struggling congregations? You know, what is, uh, what I've been thinking about as, as my church is getting a little smaller is what is, 
a mainline expression of church going to look like in 20 years in San Carlos? That's what I'm thinking about. You know, um, not even just Lutheran. What's a mainline progressive church going to look like here? Um, so I think it's I think it's an important question, and and I don't know that the bishop's office. <laughs> <laughs> is going to be helpful with that right now because I don't think most people know what's going to happen. Um, I think we can die. I think we're really great about diagnosing what has happened and why it's happening, but I think I don't think we're really good at what's next. Um, yeah, and, and I think I have a different take on that in that. Uh, we're going for broke in my congregation. And what I mean by that is we are focusing on mission. We are focusing on evangelism. We are focusing on, on, on trying to change the inbred Lutheran culture of anti-evangelism. Um, and we're either going to, it's either going to work or we're going to die doing the work of the kingdom. And, and I and that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't think that's the mate culture of the ELCA. Right, right. And and, and that's and, that's I my mean, only point. It takes a culture change. It takes a culture change. Right. But with number one, I I think everybody knows the options for struggling congregations, and it's just the struggling congregations don't like those options. Right. Which I, is. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Um, but also, you know, people don't want to be the ones to say we need to close or we need to combine with another church. They don't want to admit that kind of failure. But also a lot of these congregations, a lot of folks in the congregations are older. And I'm sure you've heard stories. I know I've heard stories where people are just like, hey, listen, I don't really care what happens. Uh, just as long as I can die first in this church, right. you know, you know, as long as you be, can be the one to do my funeral, whatevs, um, which is, which is such an interesting mindset to me because um, some of these folks are the ones who founded the church or at least are one generation after, and they were the ones building it. The and, pioneers of these churches right. are now just saying those things. Yep. Right. Which is, um, one on the one hand, understandable, right? Because they have done good work, you know. On the other hand, it's like, ah, oh, if we could only have that kind of ingenuity again, you know. Um, but congregations are getting older and the society is becoming more secular. And so it's it's harder to get energy in that in those ways, right? It, it um, takes a culture shift. It takes an absolute culture shift in order for that to happen. Um, right. And that is difficult. That's difficult to maintain. All right. Number two right. on this list, okay. leadership skills. I think leadership is absolutely important. I, I think that's a given. Number three, conflict management skills. These are the greatest needs of the Synod. Conflict mm -hmm. management skills. I Yeah. I uh, A lot of what a bishop does is is helping resolve conflicts in congregations, right? right. Or having to remove pastors who do bad things, yeah. right? Um, Number four, well-qualified interims. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Uh, there's five, a lot of openings here. Right. There's lots of openings in this. Uh, five, vision for the future. Yeah, that seems to go with number one, though, right? Options for struggling, yeah. Right. It's like a vision for the future. Oh, and we talked a little bit about this. Number six is the ability to communicate mission. Right. Like, I think that, that's something we talked about. Number seven is interesting. Spiritual renewal. Hmm. Now, I am for spiritual renewal in congregations, for people uh, being committed disciples, renewing their faith and trust in Jesus. I'm for that. I'm just not sure how that happens at a synod level, like above the individual congregation. Well, that might be the, like you said, the with Bishop Curry, right? The love campaign. Like our spiritual renewal comes in the form of we're going to be concentrating on grace or love or whatever. Uh, but but I think you're right. I think it's the individual pastors and congregations too who find in their local context their giftings and use those for the mission of, of God in that local area. Yeah. Um, support and encourage pastors and rostered ministers. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good, but I also think I wonder if that's the dean's job. Like, I wonder if it's the dean's job to be getting people together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in in more than just meeting once a month or whatever, uh, you know. And that's not to take away from all the great work the deans are doing because they're doing a bunch of bunch of stuff, you know. But but maybe that's my job. Maybe it's if I see the need for pastors to be getting together. Maybe I should be the one doing it. You know what I mean? To to support our conference things. I've taken on that that with the pastors in my area. Like like I have two other churches in my just in direct area. And and I've just decided I want to be I want to be mission partners with these people. Mm -hmm. You know, I want us so so I have like uh like we're in Concord, Good Shepherd in Concord, right? And there's St. Matthew's in Walnut Creek. And we have a huge food pantry here. We give away tens of thousands of pounds of food on a yearly basis. It's It takes up most of our buildings. Um, we're just like, we are laser focused on feeding people. Nice. And um, St. Matthew's, who's is a much bigger church and they got all these great ministries and stuff. They don't have room for a food pantry. And so mm-hmm. what they've done is said, we are going to collect food for your food pantry. Nice. And so they've become nice. a collection center for food and they drop off truckloads on a monthly basis to us. Wow. And so I'm trying to get other churches to be involved in that ministry in various ways because that's what we're really good at. Right. You know, right. Um, and, and but it's connecting with those pastors uh, you know, and us sending our kids over there for VBS and like that kind of stuff. Mm. Nice. Very nice. I love that. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Number nine, speak with boldness and clarity. That's That seems like a leadership thing, right. you know. Uh, Tell me what you think about number 10. Not about only number 10, but that it's number 10. Okay. A person of prayer and spiritual discipline. I mean, I would hope that that's a given, 
right? Like, I hope that that's like the foundation that in which we as pastors and people of faith stand. Um, uh, you know, agreed. But, but every pastor is different. Like, you know, some that every there's different models of being a pastor. And I and I and I I recognize that I don't think pastors should all be one way. Um, so maybe it is necessary. Maybe it is necessary to name that because, um, yeah, I okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think it is necessary. I think I think we have to name those things as primary foundational things because I have learned that they're not a given. Right. Right. Just like, uh, have you seen the Hillsong documentary? Ooh, so good. So like maybe because of our sinful natures, we just have to name things like you can't sleep with your babysitter as a pastor. You know what I mean? Like maybe we just have to we just have to name things, um, you know, uh, or your parishioners, or your parishioners for that, or your matter. secretaries. Exactly, exactly. Like I, 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 it feels like Jeremy. Like that is. I think we're in a world now. I would hope that we're in a world now where that's like once you recognize the power imbalances, like that you go, yep, like. That's you don't do that, right? <laughs> right. Um, um, there was one more part. How did your conference gathering go? It was all right. It, it, I uh, unfortunately there was a lot of traffic going into our area, so we started late and we had to shuffle things around. And I actually had to leave. Uh, it was a, um, so like right as we chose names, like we're starting discerning names. I was like, guys, I got I got to get back to the kids, you know. So I had to leave early, and I don't know how long they went. I liked the process. I really liked the process in which we were discerning together. Mm -hmm. what we thought the next bishop should be. I, I really appreciated that. Uh, looking at what is the actual job of a bishop? What are the things that we need, you know, going through that list that you went through, you know, um, and then kind of hopefully basing the names based on that. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see moving forward what's going to happen with with the names who are brought forward because the names we bring forward they don't necessarily make it to the ballot because they, they could decide oh you know i don't want to do this right right um, and, and we have an uh, interesting process where just because there are names that are brought forward before synod assembly um doesn't mean that there won't be more names at synod assembly because sometimes people's right. names are put in on that first ballot which is i don't if there's a name for it but i don't remember the name i think it's called so like the, ecclesiastical ballot there you go so any any name can be put forward right at that point right yeah i think i i'm i'm interested i'm really interested to see what happens and i'm hoping that 
all of our congregations are able to send people to Synod Assembly. I'm really, you know, pushing my congregation to send the people that we're allowed to send um, so that we can truly discern as a church together who we think it should be. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we are deliberate and that that we discern together exactly what we need in a bishop and mm -hmm. and that we truly um talk to the candidates in an open and honest way and i think there might be some time during our election during the election process in which there's like an open forum in which we could ask candidates questions um because i think right. that's where we get real um clarity is being able to an open dialogue um you know probe what those giftings truly are right anybody can do a canned speech any pastor can do a canned speech right mm -hmm. it's in the middle of things can we can they answer hard questions you know can they can they thoughtfully be put on the spot and yeah. and move forward because how many times you go into a place, you're put on the spot as a bishop or as bishop staff, you know, to like, hey, we got this issue, go, you know. It's an important part of the job, right? Um, for me, I, I think I, I want, go ahead. I wish there was some mechanism, like a podcast, in which we could have all of the, the candidates come on to and just talk to them. Right. You know, just so you just talk to them to see what that that's about. Right. Yeah. Maybe in six years we'll we'll there'll be enough people that listen to this that, that we can bring all the, the new <laughs> I doubt it. I know we're so infrequent <laughs> in this. We're terrible podcasters, you know. Um, but but I think it would be cool to bring on people or to you know have them go anywhere. And and not just canned speeches, but just right. sitting down and talking to them. Right. I yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be cool. I I mean, I would say, like, hey, we should do this for the current bishop's election, but I don't know if that's inter interfering with an election or not, you know? Like oh, I, I don't wanna I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to interfere with an election, right? Um or the process of an election, you know. Right, because it might be, I don't know. I don't know. If I were running for bishop, I'd I'd go on podcast. I'd, you know, I'd <laughs> I'd do I'd do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm actually hoping that people who are running for bishop campaign. Right. Like because I really want to get to know these people. I really want to get to know who's who's gonna who's I, I don't want to I don't want it to be superficial. I really just want to know. Right. You know, and I don't want it to be canned speeches. I want to know what these people, who these people, what these people are made of. That's what yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Truly what they're made of. Um, because we've had a rough couple years here. Yeah. And and I feel like if we're going to have somebody for six years, we as a synod really have to get after it and, right. and figure out and discern uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit who Indeed. should be our bishop. So I feel like we've been going for about 45 minutes and we should wrap it up. One last question. 
Okay. What would it take for you to be bishop? For you to like put your name in? I I don't think I would be a good bishop. Yeah. I I I, I so I don't know that like I don't know that I would ever want to be bishop. Honestly, uh, I could see myself being on ascended staff at some point in time. I could see myself mm-hmm. being like an as- assistant to the bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not anytime soon. I don't want to, uh, if, right, if right, you're right. running, don't put me on. I don't want to, don't ask me. Uh, right. Uh, Cause I, I really want to get my kids through high school at this congregation, you know? Uh, but I could see myself working on a, on a synod staff at some point in time, but not, um, I, don't, I just, I just don't think I could be Bishop. I don't think I have the giftings for it. Um, Cause I'm not really good. Uh, I don't, okay. I don't feel like I'm good talking extemporaneously. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, um, I don't, yeah. And I don't know that the administrative gifts that are necessary for Bishop are giftings that I have. I would really have to develop the administrative giftings abilities i should say uh to make to be bishop i i would think um because because i think that's a growing edge for me is kind of that administrative ability so um yeah so yeah uh, i think i i think i i wouldn't even like consider it until all my kids are like out of college college even yeah well you know until i was much older i think um you're pretty damn old i I mean you're four (laughs) you're not young anymore homies you're 42 old it's you're getting up there you're you're not young anymore we don't hang out with the young pastors anymore the 26 year olds like that's don't (laughs) we don't do we (laughs) that's not how we roll (laughs) so all right well um I'm 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 excited to see how this synod assembly plays out. This is coming up in September. I'm sure yep. we'll do a let's do a podcast after synod assembly, and and we'll talk about how it went. Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Hi, brother. Good to talk to you. Always pleasure. Peace. Peace. All right. Now let me stop recording.